Tonight we start off our Abraham series. Um, Abraham was this great, great man of God. He's the father of the, the Hebrew nation, the, the Israelites. He's their founder. He's the very first one. He's the one that God called to, to lead this nation. He was the one that started the whole thing, and he set in motion pretty much everything from Genesis onward. Um, he is talked about so many times in the Bible. He's almost in, um, he's in like 60% of the books in the Bible. He's mentioned um, at least once in some sort of lineage and some sort of example of great faith. So he's important. And so I've kind of been in this, this routine of what we'll hit New Testament, we'll hit Old Testament. I thought there's no greater person to look at in the Old Testament than looking at Abraham and looking at the foundation of everything that we believe in, where it all kind of started. Um, and so you might be thinking, why does that have anything to do with us as Christians and New Testament believers? Well, the thing is, is, and I've told you guys this before, you can't truly understand God and Jesus. You can't understand the Jesus of the New Testament until you understand the God of the Old Testament because they're one and the same. And even if you look back in Genesis chapter one, verse one, what you'll see is if you read from that verse on to the end of Revelation, Jesus is proclaimed in every verse, every chapter, every book. The whole book is Jesus. The Old Testament is, is his, his arrival, how he got to us. The New Testament is the proclamation of what he's done and what he's wanting us to do after him. It's said that it, there's a thin red line that runs all the way through the Bible and that's, that's Jesus, it's his blood, it's his story. The whole book is his story. And so what I wanna do in this series is look at Abraham who is this, this huge pivotal piece of, of the story. And what I wanna do is I wanna look at his life. I wanna look at his call. I wanna look how he went from just a man, just a shepherd so, so long ago to being the father of not just the Jewish faith, but he's also the father of the Islamic faith and he's the father of our faith because from him, the three branches of religion spread out. Um, so that's what we're gonna look at for the next several weeks. Um, so we're gonna be in Genesis, um, starting in chapter 11 tonight, it's where you, you first see him introduced. Um, Genesis chapter 11, and, and just one more thing. I, he was called thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, depending on how you do your old earth, young earth, all that creationism and all that stuff that I'm not gonna get into right now because we'd be here for a very long time. It's thousands and thousands of years ago. But what we're gonna find out is his situation and his calling and his surroundings and what God asked him to do is not that different than the one that he puts on every person in this room. And so through this series, I wanna look at the similarities and I wanna look at how we can take his life and we can learn from, from his example. Um, and tonight, we're just gonna spend some time just over a few verses looking at the setup, um, looking at his, his environment, his, uh, his world, because to really understand his call, you have to understand his surroundings. So I'm gonna pray real quick, and then we're gonna jump into this. God, I love you. God, but I've, I've felt a little dry these past few weeks. A little stagnant, a little 
off my game. And I, and I know that it's because my relationship with you is, is not fully there. Um, God, but it's, it's starting to come back. God, and I, I feel a little bit of the, the, the same resistance that, that Abraham probably felt and that you kind of see throughout his life. He's a man of a great call, but he also struggled greatly throughout that call to be the man that you'd called him to be. And that, God, that's just, I'll just be honest. That's just where I feel like I'm at tonight. I feel like I'm, I know who I'm supposed to be, but I'm struggling to be that man. Um, God, and I believe that there's other people in this room that are very, very similar. God, the day in and day out grind of, of trying to live this life the right way and trying to spend time with you and take care of all the things that we've got to take care of in our lives, school, work, family, it's a lot. God, but I pray over this series, God, that we would find hope and we would find peace and we would find answers to how to live this life. God, and I pray that you would inspire us from this great man of faith. God, one that's in the Hall of Fame of Faith in, in chapter um, or in Hebrews chapter 11. God, I just, I, I pray that this, this series would speak to us. God, that you would speak boldly to us and not just to us. God, that you would speak to me, me personally. God, I pray for this group. God, that you would bring in the ones that are, that are not here tonight. God, you would bring them back and you would unify this group to, to hear the message that you have to say. It's not anything that I'm saying. It's not anything that I'm saying that's special or no words that are coming out of my mouth or anything eloquent or, or you know, gonna, gonna move people with just the words alone, God, but it's, but it's your words, it's your story, it's, it's the foundation of everything we believe in, God, so I pray that the people that aren't here would be here, God, and that somehow this message would change their lives, it would change the people in this room's life, God, that we would be more bold for you, and we would be more active for you. We'd find courage, God, and that the Bible would come alive, these stories would come alive, and we would not just read them as characters in a book, and, and these these made up people, God, but we realized that there really was a man named Abraham and, and so many nations and so many religions can trace their roots and their heritage back to this man, God, that really existed and these places are real and these situations were real. God, I just, I pray that, that you would open up our eyes to that. I pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding to see these scriptures. God, that you would give me passion to speak and you would give the people in this room the ability to hear God, not my words, but yours. God, and that your Holy Spirit would be thick in this place. God, and I pray that you would break hearts, you would break lives. God, and if there be anybody in this room, God, or anybody that's gonna, gonna come and be a part of this over the next several weeks, God, that if there's any of them that would be lost, God, that you would save them, that they would see Abraham and you would see the story and they would see the, the grace and the mercy and the magnificence of who you are. God, and through Abraham, they would see and come to know who Jesus Christ is and that they would be saved. God, so I just, I pray desperately that you speak to me tonight and I pray desperately that you move. Father, I ask all these things in your name. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> Genesis chapter 11. I'm just gonna read just a few verses. We're gonna start in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, and then we're going to read to 12 nine, and then we're going to spend just, tonight's going to be a little history kind of lesson, a little background. So anybody in here love history? Come on, some history people. Five of you will be excited. Um, but it's, it's actually really, really cool stuff. I got, I got to studying this a few weeks back, and like I had to call people and tell people about it because it was, it blew my mind once you start looking at the timelines and how everything worked. So Genesis chapter 11, verse 
27 says this. It says, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of, the, of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the, na- the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no children. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot son of Haran his grandson, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house in the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great. I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And you knew all families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from from Haran, and Abraham took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to a place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built, an, he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. Um, lots of names. going to mispronounce most of them as I go. So just forgive me off that. So what we've got here is this guy named Abram, who will eventually have his name changed to Abraham, and his wife Sarah, or Sarah, who will eventually become Sarah. And so they're living in this place called Ur, which is a dumb name, but Ur um, sounds like a noise you make. Um, so they're living there. Of the child, it's Ur of the Chaldeans. Um, and so what happens if you look over in Acts is Abraham kind of gets this stirring, this call to go and move. And so he tells Pops, Terah, they pack up and they start moving towards the land of Canaan. But as they journey a little bit, they take, you know, a little bit of their journey, they, but they stop in Herod and they stay there for a few years until Terah dies. We don't know if Terah was sick. They were like on their journey, Terah was sick, and then they'd kind of stop for a little while. Or if Terah was just like, no, I like it here, and I'm the patriarch, and you're going to do what I say. So they stopped. I don't really know, but they moved. They went to, to Haran, and then after Terah died, Abram continued on to, to what God was calling him to do. But before we kind of jump into Abram and the, that whole um, situation, I, I want to give you a timeline of, of when this is going on. See, we're in Genesis. So Genesis is where all the, the new stuff is happening. You've got you know, creation being made. You've got Adam and Eve. You've got Noah. You've got the flood. And then what's cool about this is when Abram is called, when he's called to move, this is just 300 years after the flood. That's all it is. 
the timeline is, is just 300 years after the flood. And so it's, it's, he's not that far removed from Noah and, and, and the flood and all that stuff that's going on. And what's crazy is Noah was actually still alive when Abram was called. Um, Noah's like in his late 800s at this time. Noah lived to be 950 years old. Um, but Noah is still alive when Abram is called. Um, um, so, and, and Noah's son, Shem, actually outlives Abraham. So he's still around through all of Abraham's life and past that. So we're really, we're not that far from Noah, not that far from the flood. You think about it now in 2000, it'd be like you're reading about stuff from the 1700s in history class, right? You know, when America was founded and things like that. So like, that's how far, to put it in perspective, that's how far away the flood was. You know, the world wiping out massive flood. And so from that point, you've got all these people that still lived 900 and 800 and 600 years old. And after the flood, they kind of started diminishing a little bit in age. So they would go, like Noah lived 950 years. Well, the next person lived like 700 years. And the next person lived like five or 600 years. And so when they get to Terah, he's down to 200. And Abraham only lives to be like in the hundreds. I can't remember the exact number. We'll get there because we're going all the way to his death. Um, but because of that, those 300 years aren't quite like our 300 years. So what you've got is this, all the world is depleted, right, in the flood. There's nobody left except for Noah and his children, and then they have some children. But 300 years later, what you find is that the world has erupted in, in population. I mean, it's like rabbits. Forgive my analogy. Um, but really, it was because what happened with these people would live to be, you know, five, 600 years old, and you can have a lot of children in that amount of time. Um, some of them, historically, you see that they had 30, 40 kids, um, which is nothing compared to the 70 that Adam and Eve supposedly had. If you look at tradition, you look at um, some other places, the Bible doesn't specifically say it, but it says that they went on to have many children. And so it was, it, church history says they had about 30 daughters and 30 sons, um, which, my gosh, um, I can't imagine that. But they lived to be an incredibly long time, incredibly old age. Um, and so because these people were having so many children, population spread like crazy. And so even 300 years after this, you've got whole different cities that have sprung up. You've got whole different nations. You've got nations with kings. You've got, you know, armies and military and, and the, the world has spread out. And so from that, you got, you know, they, the population is going crazy. And so just kind of give you an example, 300 years later, the world has grown so much that there's this group of people that have moved. Now they're all speaking one language still. They're, they've not broken that because Noah spoke a language and they were just his children, his descendants, so they all spoke a language. Well, this dude... And these people were moving southward. And over this time period, they had kind of lost their love for God, which is kind of a repetitive theme throughout the Old Testament. They'll, they'll do good for a little while, and then they'll do horrible for a little while. And they'll do good for a little while, and they'll do horrible for a little while. So in this process, they've kind of moved away from God, their first, their first love, the, the God that Noah would have known about. And had they just like traveled a little bit, Noah could have told them about the flood and everything because he was still around, which blows my mind that he was still around. They could have had firsthand knowledge. Now, they probably didn't because they didn't travel that much back then, but they could have. It's wild to me. Um, but there's these, this group of people that moved and they went southward and they come to this giant plain. And so they've, 
they've spread out, they've grown, their population's awesome, and they're, they're, they've got these technological advances. They've become a, a, a smart group of people. They're not just cavemen with sticks and clubs acting stupid. They're, they actually have building capabilities. They've got tools. They've got stuff that they can use. And so what they do is they come together, and they said, because we are so awesome, because we've come so far, because we are so highly advanced, we're going to celebrate that by building this tower to the sky. We're going to build this giant tower up into the heavens, and we're going to be like, look at us. And so they start to build this thing. Everybody's working together, and because they all had one language, they were all one group of people, they were able to work very, very well together. And so as they start to build this tower, God goes, hmm, I don't know about that. I'm going to mess them up. And so what he does is he confuses their languages. He introduces more language. And so they're up there building, and everything's going good, and then, you know, James looks at Kyle and he starts saying something. Kyle's like, so what, huh? What, what? And then Kyle starts talking to James. James can't understand him. And so they get frustrated because nobody can understand each other. And so what they do from that point on is the ones that could understand each other, there was, you know, only so many languages in a very, very large group of people. And so they kind of band together with the people that they could understand. And from that point, the nation spread out. And so you've got Noah on the boat he gets off the boat, dry land. His people start having people, so on and so on. They go and build this tower. God splits up their languages. And then all these different nations come from that because of the different languages that are spoke. And so you get to Abraham's day or Abram's day. And what you find is there's large groups of differing people at this point. There's 300 years. There's, there's so many different people. There's so many different things. And these are not when, it, when you think thousands, thousands of years ago, it, my, my first initial reaction, these are dumb people. They don't have a lot of technological advances. They're living in mud huts, hanging out with sheep. But that's not necessarily the case because what you have is they, they were wise in their, in their years. So they had mathematicians. There's archaeological references and, and studies that have pulled up different artifacts that show that they were a very learned society. They were a very wise society. They had astronomy. They had math. They had these temples that were built to worship things in nature. They, they knew the star systems. They, they, were, they, were a wise situ- they were a wise civilization in their own right and in their own day. Now, they didn't have iPhones and laptops, but they had enough. And so they grew to these great nations, not just these <clears throat> small little Mayo Chesney-looking little communities. Um, no offense, that's where I live. I live in Fingerville, so I mean, I'm not hating on anybody from a small town. <clears throat> But they were these great nations. And so Abraham, or Abram wasn't called. I want you, and I, I'm, I'm saying all this to, to let you guys understand. Abram wasn't called from small backwoods little town. Abram was a part of a very large city. Ur was a commercial port. It was a centerpiece of ancient civilization. At this place, there was this great moon god temple where people came from all over to worship. It's a very highly advanced civilization for their time. And so you, you can't picture Abraham in the sticks. You have to picture Abraham in like Greenville of its day or Charlotte of its day. This is a very large commercial city. Now, Abraham was a shepherd. His family were of shepherds. Um, those were his people, but they interacted with large cities. That's where he was from. Um, and so in these 300 years from the flood, civilization has changed dramatically. Um, 
God did the flood to take out all the evil. They've already turned evil again. And God, because he promised he would never wipe everybody out again, he said, okay, I'll confuse them. He messed up their languages and caused all this division. And so Abraham is a part of this different civilization. They've, they've spread and then you get to Abram. And so that's where he was called from. And, and that was his surrounding. He was surrounded by this evil, idol-worshiping, pagan society. And, and to make things worse, his father was in fact an idol worshiper, which probably meant that Abraham was an idol worshiper himself. And so you see in Joshua that, that Joshua's starting to talk about the great patriarch and he's, he's talking about the kind of person he was. And he talks about how Terah, uh, Abram's father, worshiped idols. And church history says that he actually probably either worked in the temple some or crafted and made idols himself and sold them for profit. And so Abraham lived in this crazy city full of evil and his own family was full of people that did evil things. And not evil like they were out murdering people, but they were worshiping false gods. 300 years after the greatest crazy catastrophe that God could do and ever did do, and they've already turned and he's, he's surrounded by this pagan lifestyle. He's surrounded by these, these pagan people that, that influence his life. Um, Early on, he probably would have most definitely worshipped idols with his father because that's what you did as a family. You worshipped the same way. You did the same kind of things. And it wasn't common for a son to buck the system because that's just not what the culture had. And so there were moon gods. There were moon worshippers. There was a huge, huge, like I said earlier, there's a huge temple that they've uncovered in Ur where they think Ur was. That was a, that they worshipped the moon. So his father was a worshiper there. Um, and then this crazy thing happens. So he's surrounded by all this pagan worship. He's surrounded by all this stuff. And then one day, I like to picture him chilling out in the field. Now Genesis account doesn't say, it says terror kind of moved him. But if you look at the, the account in Acts where Stephen is pleading right before he gets stoned, it says that he was called in Ur. And so I like, to, I like to picture Abraham out in, in with his sheep, which this is just me reading into it. He's out there with his sheep. He's chilling. Maybe he's looking up at the moon. Who knows? And then all of a sudden, God speaks to him. God says, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. And I need you to do something for me. If you look at verse uh, one in chapter 12, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, so He's, like, he's just chilling and all of a sudden God speaks to him. So this is what I want you to do. It says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So everything is good in Abraham's life. That these people were very wealthy. They had a lot of money. They had a lot, they were set. You look at Abraham's life uh, as it kind of goes on. Abraham is very, very successful to the point where him and his, his nephew can't be in the same place because they have so much stuff. It says that the land could not sustain their wealth. And so it's like thousands of sheep and thousands of goats and thousands of camels. And I mean, it's, it's a ridiculous amount of stuff. So they were wealthy people. And what God goes and he meets Abraham where he's at. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave all of this. The city that you know and you're comfortable with and you're accustomed to, I want you to leave it. Your, your family, this big family that you've got, I need you to put it away. I need you to put it aside. Oh, all this resources and all this stuff, I, I need you to, to not use that anymore. And by the way, I'm not even gonna tell you where I'm sending you. 
Could you read that last little bit? He says, I'm sending you to this place that I will show you. So all God did was say, hey man, pack up and go left until I tell you to go a different direction. And so he, he, he asks this huge thing of, of Abraham. He, he, he wants him to leave everything behind. He wants him to lose everything. He wants him to, all this comfort, he wants to, to take and, and shift him from because God had a higher purpose for him. And we read a little bit farther on in verse two, and God shows us what that purpose is. He says, after he's asked him to leave and he'll show him the, the land that he's supposed to go into. Verse two says, and I will make you a great nation and I'll bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so what I, I want you to, to, to get this, I want wrap your brain around this. He looks at this man who he says, give, I need you to give everything that you've got up need you to leave everything, all this comfort. I want you to go to a place I'm not gonna show you. Oh, and by the way, I'm gonna make you a great nation. I don't know if you caught it the first time. Abram's wife was barren. She couldn't have kids. And so I just, I try to picture what's going through Abraham's, or Abram's mind. He was, he had this cushy place and this cushy lifestyle. He was set, he was fine. Him and his wife were good with the fact that, I mean, they probably weren't good with it, but they'd come to the realization that they weren't gonna have kids. And then God shows up and screws everything up. He says, I want you to give everything up. I want you to leave and not know where you're going. And by the way, I need you to trust in this great promise that doesn't make any sense. I'm gonna make you this great nation. I'm gonna do all these great things and every person on the planet is going to be blessed because of you. Abraham has gotta be thinking, there's no way. There's no way. How is all this going to work? How is all this gonna happen? How, how, how does any of this make any sense? I, I, he didn't even really understand and know this God because like I said, he's a, he's a moon worshiper before. But look at what Abraham does in verse four. First three words, it says, so Abraham went. See, Abram is called the father of, of the faith and he's, he's in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews for a lot of reasons, but I believe that this, this one key part is, is a huge part of it. He looked in the face of all these different things that didn't make any sense and Abraham said, Okay. Abraham said, okay, I will go where it is that you've told me to go. I will leave all the things that you've told me to do, to, to leave behind. And I will trust in a promise that makes no sense. I'll trust in it. And it's huge that the, the faith that that would have taken to, to go and to move and to do these, these crazy things is, is just, it's, it blows my mind to understand the faith that he would have had. Now we don't get the full dialogue. It could have been more, he could have argued, but no matter what, even if he was hesitant, even if he was scared, even if, if there was some, some timidness or some anxiety in him, it doesn't matter because Abraham still took the steps to go where God had sent him. And I believe that's why God chose him in the first place. It's because he'd be willing to say yes. 
He was willing to go and, and it, it kind of, the, the next few verses kind of show that he, he went a little farther and God met him there and he went a little farther and God met him there and he set up his tent in a place that was even farther and then he moves even farther down. He eventually ends up in Egypt which is where we'll be two weeks from now because next week's Mother's Day. But Abraham was constantly willing to go and to move and to do the things that God had asked him to do. You see, the reason I chose or God showed me that, that to do Abraham is, believe, is because I believe that Abraham is not any different than us. And here's what I mean by that. As we look at Abraham's life, he goes from this man who was lost to a man that was saved to a man that was called to a great purpose to a man who fulfilled that purpose. And in his calling, there's no differences in the callings that we have. You see, once we were lost, and no, some of you did not worship the moon. Some of you may have, I don't know. Um, but you were lost. You were without hope. You were without direction. You didn't have a chance. But then one day, for those of you that are Christians, God spoke to you. That whole thing about, I found God one day. No, you didn't, because you weren't looking for him. God spoke to you, opened up your eyes to his reality. He opened up your eyes to who he was. And God said, I have a plan and I have a purpose for you. And now, no, we're not gonna be the father of many nations. But I do believe this, that because of the work that God can do in us, the people in this world can be blessed through our work and through the things that we do through Christ. I believe firmly that if we look at this man's life, if we can listen and see the things that he did and how he did them, then we too can be looked at at the end of our life and say that was a person of faith. That was a person that trusted in God. That was a person that, that knew what God wanted them to do and, and, and went out and did it. And so tonight as I kind of wrap this thing up, what I want you guys to understand, and, and I, I hope this whole thing made sense as it went, but my challenge for you tonight is this. Abraham was this great man of faith. He was the father of nations. He was the one that God chose to, to start everything in motion, and yet he was a dirty, no good, idol-worshiping sinner when God found him. He wasn't even in that all, all that much of a different situation. He was in a city full of stuff where he had everything he needed. A lot of you are, I mean, Bowling Springs is not necessarily a huge metropolis. Um, it's getting there, but it's not quite there yet. But it's a city full of opportunity. It's a city full of, of, of wealth, really. It's an it's a, it's a upper middle class town. And for the most part, everybody in here has eaten at least twice today. So we have the things that we need. We're taken care of. We're able to come to a facility like this and worship. That, and for the Christians in here, God has a plan and got a purpose. And what I need you to understand is that plan, that purpose may end up costing you greatly. It cost Abraham everything. It cost Abram everything. And I'm gonna probably do that for this whole series, the whole Abram Abraham thing. I'm gonna be really happy when we get to the point where God changes his name because that's just how my brain works. I, I want to call him Abraham every time. 
but it cost him everything. It cost him his life. It cost him his, his family. It cost him the, the comfort, and he had to go into a land where he had to fight wars. He had to go and rescue his, his nephew one time from, from God um, in a roundabout kind of way. Um, he got to interact with angels. He gets to interact with God himself. He gets to see um, the, the, the person of God, which we're going to get into that too. So he gets to experience these cool things, but it cost him a lot to be able to experience the great things of God. It's going to cost you the exact same amount to experience the great things of God. And so as we look at this story, as we look at Abram as a man and, and, and as he goes to, from Abram to Abraham, I want you to always put yourself in the story. Because it's not just a story, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a biography of a man who started everything. But I want you to constantly put yourself in this story. I want you to constantly put yourself and try to figure out how do I relate back to Abraham at this point? How would I have handled this situation? How am I currently handling this situation? And I believe that we can put ourselves in his footsteps. And tonight we can do the exact same thing. Because I believe tonight is, is, is a pivotal point of foundation. It's, it's where, we, where we find ourselves, where we start. Because you can't start this journey with Abraham until you've been called by God. The very first thing that Abraham did, the very first thing that, that his story starts out with is the call from God. Had he not been called by God, he would still be in Ur. He would have died there. He would have never done anything great. And the nations would have been blessed by somebody else. But God chose him and he was willing to go. So my question for you tonight is in this little three sections of Abraham's life where he goes from being lost to being called to saying yes to moving, where are you at? Have you answered the call of God? Have you answered the call of salvation? In, in Abraham's day, it was his faith in, in the coming Messiah. It was faith in God that was in front of him. Today, it's faith in Jesus Christ who died on a cross to save you from your sins. Because hear me, the rest of this series is completely irrelevant to you if you don't start here tonight. The rest of this series isn't going to do anything for you unless you can put your faith and trust in Christ, unless you've put your faith and trust in Christ. You'll waste the next several weeks if you don't hear that part. It's super important. All journeys for God start at the same place as that point of salvation. So my question to you tonight, have you started your journey? As we relate back to Abraham, have you started your journey? Have you said yes to God? Have you said, I will live the rest of my life on whatever journey you've sent me on? And then my next question is, are you willing to say yes and move once you've, if, you, if you're a Christian, if you've, if you've said yes to Christ, if you've trusted in him for salvation, I'm, I, I wanna ask you this. If God challenges you to do something in this series, are you willing to say yes? Because you're gonna see over and over and over and over again where Abraham is constantly confronted by what God wants him to do. And there's times that Abraham screws it up. He lies, he gets all kind of in trouble. Plagues happen at one point in time, it's nuts but he stayed moving. He stayed in the will of God. He was willing to say yes. And so my question is, as, as we move throughout this series, are you ready to say yes to whatever God asks you to do? And if you're not, the question is why? What's holding you back from saying, yes, God, I will move. No matter what the step is, no matter if I have a clear direction on what I'm going to do, I will say yes. If you're not in that place tonight, then by next week, you should be praying to figure out why, what holds you back. What stumbling blocks are there? What, what's crippling you? What's, what's holding you down? Is it family? 
because Abraham had to lose that. Is it, is it comforts in your own life? Is it sports, schools, grades, um, relationships, whatever it could be? Is it some sort of comfort in your life that you say, you know what, I, I'm not willing to give that up? Is it time management? Are you, just willing to, are you not willing to spend the time with God that needs to be there to, for you actually to grow? If God were to say, you know what, out of this whole series, what I want you to do is I want you to spend 30 minutes a day in the Word, spending time with me so that you can grow. Are you ready to say yes to that? If you're not, there's something wrong. So those are my two questions as, as, as we wrap this thing back up. Um, Franklin, will you play something? Um, that's what I want to do. I want to I open the altar up a little bit tonight because I, I just believe that there's things that, I, I believe there's things in this room that need to be prayed about. Um, one, I believe that there's sin issues in this room that need to be confessed. We talked about that this morning a little bit in discipleship development. Confession is a beautiful thing. And you don't necessarily have to come tell one of the leaders, but you need to be on your face before God confessing the things that are in your, your life that, that are wrong, that are sinful. Is there something that you're holding on to that you, you can't quite give up and let God have? Have you received Christ? Have you experienced salvation? Any of these things, anything that's holding you back from saying yes, anything that is a stumbling block in your life, the first step's talking to God about it. Is there disunity with anybody in this room? Fix it. Because I can tell you this much, if you've got issues with your brothers and sisters, the Bible says if you're going to leave an offering, you're gonna go praise God, and you're gonna go do things for God, and you remember that there's something between you and a brother, it says leave your stuff there and go fix it before you sacrifice to him. So if there's something in your life that's wrong between somebody and the body, if there's something making this unity be disunified, fix it because the rest of this series will be pointless for you. Starting off on a good foundation is the only way that we can grow. You can't build stuff on top of a broken foundation. Tonight is the night to get it right so that the rest of these weeks in this series, you can actually listen to what God would have to tell you. So you can build on this yes mentality that you have for God. You can build on what God would have you to do because I believe that there's people in this room that God wants to raise up and do crazy things with. I believe there's ministers in this room. I believe that there's missionaries in this room. I believe that there's great musicians and, and people with great talent that can go and use that platform for great things. The problem is, is we are either too lazy or we are too full of sin to step up and say, God, you have me 100% and I'll do whatever it takes to get to that place. The only thing stopping you from getting to the place where God can use you and do crazy things is you. If God saved you, he saved you for a purpose and there's something he wants you to do. But the only thing that hinders that is you. God can do great things. Abraham got to physically see Jesus in the Old Testament. We're gonna get into that. It's one of my favorite parts of this whole thing. He got to physically see Jesus before he went on the cross back in the Old Testament. He got to see crazy things. He got to experience crazy things. He got to be a part of something so great and grand that we're still talking about it thousands of years later because he said, yes. I just believe there's people in this room that have been saying no to God for way too long. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what's in your life. I don't know what you need to make right. But I do know this, that the first stop is at this altar in confession, in prayer, in mending whatever is broken. 
And I'm not telling you that you have to say yes with all this boldness and with all this pride and with all this fearlessness and courage. All you have to do is be willing to do it afraid. Every step of my life is filled with horrible, crippling anxiety, but I have to tell God yes every day or I will miss out on everything. I've told y'all a million times, I hate public speaking and God called me to be a pastor. Gotta be willing to say yes. And so I don't even know what Franklin's gonna play and sing, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna join you guys in worship. This moment is for y'all, y'all stand and sing with Franklin, whatever he decides to sing, or Blake can sing with him.